Another episode of the District of Chip and Friends coming your way ahead of the 2021 Wildcard Weekend. It's going to be the single most unique postseason football weekend in the sports history with everything to gain and lose, which is absolutely appropriate for the Washington football team set to host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady in his six Super Bowl runs this Saturday at FedEx Field for an 8.15 p.m. kickoff and no fans in attendance. Uh, that pales in comparison, though, to what happened in our nation's capital on Wednesday when rioters, looters, terrorists uh, broke into the Capitol building for the first time since 1814. I'm not one for bringing politics into the conversation because I personally am not the best at speaking to them. But one thing is clear in my mind, the actions of those who thought it right to desecrate one of the sanctuaries of America's democracy were very wrong and horrific. Just want to let my friends, colleagues, and family who were also mortified by the events that I share your pain in what was one of the darkest days in our country's history. Let us all hope that the change of office also marks a change, be it small, large, or somewhere in between in our society for the better so that we may all equally love and enjoy each other's company together. And there is no greater way to do that in Washington, D.C. than cheer on the Washington football team in their first playoff game since 2015. Yes, that was a lot of monologue. And yes, there will be listeners who don't like it. That's your opinion that you're entitled to just as much as mine. Deal with it, because that's how I feel. Getting back to today's episode, had a great conversation with Mitchell Tischler of NBC Sports Washington and the Washington Football Talk podcast about this weekend's matchup, the battle in the trenches between WFT and the Bucks, which lines we favor around the NFL this weekend, and X-Factors for Washington. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts if you like the content. Hope you enjoy it, and I promise we'll get back to having silly fun in the world of sports, pop culture, and daily life. I promise I'm going to keep it. I'm your host, Chip Briere. This is the DCAF Pod. Let's do it. happy that I was able to get this guy on the pod today because for a long time I've tried to find some forum where we can have a conversation about not only football but sports gambling even though I don't gamble myself I know he loves to talk about lines Mitchell Tischler of NBC Sports Washington uh he also is part of Washington Football Talk podcast with JP Finley and Pete Haley and Mitch I'm going to start right there because I listen to your podcast I'd say religiously. I'm a part of the following. Uh, and that was before I became friends with you all when I came up to D.C. Sorry, working at ABC7. How cool has it been to kind of see this podcast develop a cult following? It's grown almost every single season, week to week. It's It's been incredible to see kind of the fanhood you guys have created with this thing. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, JP loves to talk about the dark ages when he would hold up two cell phones together when he and Rich Tandler started the pod. Um, and that's how they did their recordings. Quickly, they realized they needed a little bit more help. And I started doing some of the audio stuff with them and then slowly worked my way on. And it's been it's been crazy to see uh, the explosion. And, and honestly, all of this has been happening with the team when they haven't been very good. So as the team starts winning more, I think people get more excited about Washington football. I think you're going to see more people, more people getting involved in all the accoutrement that goes with the football team. And that includes all these different podcasts. It's It's awesome seeing the the Washington football group grow. And, and I've always said that the, uh, the Washington football team's fan base is a sleeping giant. And hopefully this playoff 
appearances, the, the first bit that starts jostling them awake and reminding them, oh yeah, football can be really fun to watch. Dude, I agree wholeheartedly. And in some ways, I think kind of your rise, uh, because you used to be uh, doing video camera work and you've been a producer and you've been like at the gears of the whole operation of NBC Sports Washington's coverage of the Washington football team. But as the podcast started to gain popularity, you yourself started to come in front of the camera a lot more. And now you've been on TV shows and whatnot. When did it hit you that this thing was special, not only for you, but also JP and Pete and Rich Tandler, uh, may rest in peace uh, before he sadly passed. Yeah, it's funny. I, I guess probably for me, it would be the first time that we decided to have a pod party. Um, I mean, you know, I started off covering the team in, in 2008 as a videographer and then kind of through the 13, 12 years that it's been, you know, moved up from photographer, producer, you know, to, and now do some remote operations management for us. But um, I think when we, you know, I think that we could see the numbers growing on, you know, on the computer when we looked up, you know, how many people were listening to the podcast and whatnot. But it wasn't until you really started getting out and seeing the people, you know, and when we were at practices and games and training camp and people were calling you over and wanting to take pictures with you, all that stuff was crazy. When we had that first pod party, man, and, you know, it was very little fanfare. We didn't talk a whole lot about it except for on the podcast, advertising for it. And, you know, to have a few hundred people show up was just, you know, kind of crazy and things. That was the first time that we were really like, boys, we might be onto something here. Yeah, you definitely are. Go check it out. Shameless plug to the Washington Football Talk podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, I listen to it, so that's all you need to know there. But of the three of you, before we move into the game here, who has the best record when it comes to predicting betting lines? Because you all go through those on your podcast. I want to know, do you keep track of the records on those of who wins, who loses? We do, but we do. Um, so we do a segment called 100 Chips where we get 100 yes. uh betting chips that we can that we can use for whatever we want and uh jay pete specifically loves to bet a lot of props and random there are going to be more points in the first half than the second half or, or whatever it may be um pete's leading the way right now because he hit a big uh i forget what his one was uh player to score a touchdown a few weeks ago um maybe even the Dontrell Inman touchdown uh, that pro yeah that seems like Browns. a crazy prop bet um, but he took the lead then and he's been, he's been, uh, hanging onto it for dear life since then. Yeah. Cause he can't do anything on the golf course after I saw what you guys did to him in North Carolina. Savages. Go listen to that uh, podcast. That was a good I'll one. Tell you what, JP had a tough time on the golf course too. Pete threw up about a one twenty something, but JP shot a one twelve one day. So I <laughs> had a very tough day and I enjoyed heartily collecting all of their, uh, hypothetical dollars along the way. How about B Mitch? Was he playing all right? Beamich is by far the best golfer of the group. Um, but I, day one, I, I think I had the best three-day stretch of the group just because uh, all three rounds that we played, I was on the winning side of all three. So for me, that's uh, that's a successful weekend. You've got impeccable short game because I, I have no doubt that you kept it close there coming in from the fairways. All right, let's get to the task at hand here. Tampa Bay versus Washington. You've been out of practice a couple times this week. And Alex Smith has been on the side, just kind of throwing when he can. He hasn't been out there in stretch. And that's where a lot of people are going to put their attention. But I want to focus a little bit before we get into your favorite part of the football. Kendall Fuller showed up on the injury report. That's kind of scary considering he's going up against Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown, considering which assignment he gets. Is that any concern for you? Like it is a little bit for me. It's certainly a little concerning. Um, if it would have been a DNP, it did not practice next to his name. 
with the knee injury, that would be much more concerning. Mm-hmm. You know, there aren't a whole lot of players that are completely healthy right now and, you know, going into the first week of the playoffs. And I'm sure there are they're, they're, they're bruises and nicks all over the place. Yeah. I have no doubt that I, I don't think that anybody, any of the guys that have shown up in the injury report this week are not going to play. So that includes Brandon Sheriff, which I'm sure we're going to get to, Antonio Gibson, Alex Smith, Terry McLaurin. I think all, I think all five of those guys are given to the go. That's certainly a good good vibe for everyone who's hoping this team wins, but also to try and figure out which way they're going to lean when they get into the weekend. But I, I really believe, Mitch, and you've always harped on this forever. Every conversation I've had with you and with everybody that's in the media beat, that it starts in the trenches, I think this is the matchup of the year if you're a guy who likes to watch that line of scrimmage because the Washington offensive line has a lot to prove giving up 50 sacks. That's second worst in the NFL. And then the Tampa Bay D line actually ended with more sacks than Washington, 48 to 47. And in a lot of ways, they kind of mirror each other, just get pressure on the quarterback. Tampa's had more success in terms of the record of getting the wins. Whereas Washington hasn't had the offense of Tom Brady to get done. Where, where's your eye focused on in this battle of the trenches that people should keep, their eyes on whether it's a player or o-line d-line um certainly i think both sides both washington's offense versus tampa's d-line and then tampa's o-line versus washington's d-line is going to be kind of where this thing is decided um you know washington's o-line went into the year projected to be the 29th best offensive line in the nfl and they've severely uh, outplayed themselves and uh, i think pro football focus had them ranked up to sixth this year which is incredible i mean the, the the work that the right side of the o-line has done morgan moses and brandon sheriff has been incredible but the comeuppance of the left side is really cornelius yeah. lucas has played way better than i think any of us ever expected him to Wes schweitzer stepped in you know when he came in from atlanta i kind of thought he was going to be a backup swing guard kind of your you know fifth sixth guy mm-hmm. active every week but but doesn't play much but man he's been a monster especially in the run game. So yeah, it's huge. Uh, and not to mention Chase Rudier, who's the one that holds it all together. Yeah. I think that signing is completely uh, underrated, but for me, it's going to be the tackles. It's going to be Cornelius Lucas. It's going to be Morgan Moses going against Jason Pierre Paul. When they line up with Dominican Sue kind of further on the outside, I think that's where you're going to see, because, you know, uh, I believe that, uh, that Alex Smith is going to get the start here and we know that his mobility is severely limited. So if, uh, if those guys are able to, to press the pocket in from the outside, that's going to make a tough situation for Washington to be able to move the ball on offense. So, so that's kind of, you know, where I'm going to be watching. I think Morgan's going to have his hands full, but man, he's had a heck of a season and, and I don't expect to, to see anything less than, than what we've seen all year uh, on Saturday night. Yeah. If you're a Washington football fan, you have to feel stoked for Morgan Moses because he's been bleeding burgundy and gold ever since he walked into the building and to get that, moment to go and celebrate winning the NFC East division title was not only huge for him, but, but for the O-line. And I love that you bring up Chase Roulier because coming into the season, we knew he was going to be really good, but he, he played up to that expectation, got that extension. It, it does seem to me, Mitch, this is the most solidified offensive line Washington's had in a while. That's why that number of 50 sacks they've given up, it doesn't feel right. Like when I look at down, I'm like, that doesn't feel right. They feel like, I feel like they've done enough to keep whoever's in, in the backfield clean for the most part is that just something that i guess is a victim of like you said like coming up the middle no i I think when you look at i I agree with you that that number 50 doesn't feel right but i think when you look at the quarterback play you can kind of excuse away some of it i mean obviously there have been plays when guys got beat like a drum and gave up a sack and it was it was on them but 
you know, with Alex Smith at quarterback, he's not the most mobile. He doesn't give them a whole lot of wiggle uh, when he's back there. And then going back to the Dwayne Haskins games, uh, there were certainly some uh, protection calls that were that were issues. And, you know, you have guys who are holding on to the ball a little bit too long in the pocket, you know, certainly sitting there padding it. I, I would I would guess that if you were able to kind of break down those 50 sacks on, you know, number that was on the offensive line for giving him up, and the number that was on yeah. quarterbacks for misalignment or not being able to, to kind of evade mm-hmm. a single rusher, I think you come to a much a much more reasonable number. Um, yeah. But numbers are what they are, and they, and they gave up 50 sacks, and certainly that's going to be a huge uh, point this weekend. They're not going to be able to – they can't turn the ball over against the Bucks. They can't get out of uh, get out of rhythm. They can't get into second and third and longs and expect to, to be able to convert – convert them so i think the line's gonna have to stand up tall if uh, if they want an opportunity to win against tom brady and the bucks yeah i so i'm, I'm actually pulling up washington first philly because i want to know how many sacks they actually got on alex smith if you know off the top of your head go ahead and tell me but um he was only sacked three times yeah and he was getting the ball at what 2.7 seconds is what the graphic said on the game sunday night like that was the average he was getting it out um and if it was anything past that it was incomplete or he was getting hit so i mean yeah i think i'm right with you we both agree that that 50 number just doesn't doesn't feel right. Probably because Dwayne Haskins was taking sacks, holding onto the ball too long, or Kyle Allen's trying to be too mobile. Taylor Heineke late in that fourth quarter is just trying to make something happen and takes a sack. So yeah, I think that number is misguided. I just I just saw it and had to bring it up. Like it's wow, that doesn't feel like 50 sacks this year. But now I also you think we've seen Scott Turner kind of evolve his offense a little bit, mm-hmm. knowing that the quarterback play that he has. I mean, I think. Certainly in the first couple of games with Dwayne there, you saw him trying to execute kind of a more robust offensive system. Yeah. Uh, hoping that it was good, that, you know, that they were going to be able to, the line was going to be able to hold off the quarterback play was going to be good enough. And the wide receiver play was going to be good enough. And quite frankly, it wasn't early mm-hmm. on in the season. Yeah. And we've seen Logan Thomas break out a little bit. Cam Sims has been a nice addition, you know, JD McKissick catching as many balls out of the backfield. And, and they've really started, he's really, Scott Turner's really started to, move towards that quick passing game. Mm-hmm. And that's really been, to me, one of the, you know, you can help out an O-line with quick passing. Yeah. You can help out, you know, alleviate a hard pass rush with getting the ball out quickly. And I think that's what Scott Turner's done a fair amount. Yeah, that's what every other team that Washington's played against has tried to do against this defense. Uh, that includes Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, Tim Settle, just getting after it. What's why they end up with 47 sacks. And everyone is talking about how, Chase Young going after Tom Brady. I want Tom. Ron talked about it on first take this week with Stephen A. Smith, and Max Kellerman. He loves that passion. He's just excited to play football. Uh, I, Tom, Tom kind of cheeky, cheekily was like, hey, you know, Michigan, Ohio State is going to have a little fun. Dude, I, I think Chase Young may be one of the only five players in the NFL, I would say with confidence for them to say that and back it up. Like, he's going to go out there and get it. I really feel like he's going to get at least one, maybe two. I entirely agree, and I'm not going to put any numbers on him because we saw early in the season, first five, six games, he was dominating football games but wasn't getting sacks, wasn't getting fumble recoveries. I look at the um, the Kendall Fuller interception in the back of the end zone against the Giants up in New York where Chase Young forced uh, Daniel Jones to throw the ball early. He didn't get a sack number for that. He didn't get right. any stat for it, but he was dominating that game, and he forced a huge turnover. And I think when I look at what Chase Young does – you see how much he helps the rest of that D line and helps Montez sweat because you see teams double and triple teaming him, teaming him and chipping him off the edge and, and all those different things. And so I think chase young can have a huge impact on this game. 
even if he doesn't sack Tom Brady. But let me tell you, this is going to be the best offensive line that Washington has faced yet this year. And yes, it's going to be a test for this defensive line. Yeah, they only gave up 22 sacks this season. I was fourth in the NFL, and that's why I had to get you on, man, because you you understand how important it's going to be in this game. Every other matchup Washington's had this year, it's been kind of a finesse game wherever they went up against. Dallas was awful. The Eagles' offensive line was banged up, so there's four wins right there. Then you look at Pittsburgh, and their line's like been okay. They've gotten enough time for Big Ben, but he's had so many different receivers to throw it to and the run game to help him out. So... I just I'm concerned for that reason because whenever Tom has a clean pocket, he is surgical. He is absolutely surgical, dude. He's got 25 touchdowns, one interception, nine and one against Jack Del Rio. That alone scares me a little bit. Sure. His numbers against Jack Del Rio are are gaudy to say the least, but the Bucks had one win over a team uh five hundred better than five hundred this year, same number that the Washington football team had. Really? I didn't know that. Ron Rivera is, has uh, knocked uh, Bruce Arians out of the playoffs. The two times that Bruce got knocked out of the playoffs was both by Ron Rivera. There's some stats that you can you can, you can can throw out there that can make anything yeah. look good. The last four sub-500 teams, 500 or sub-500 teams to make the playoffs have all won in week one of the playoffs. So, I mean, there are numbers you can throw out there, but the important thing is going to be making sure that Tom Brady doesn't have a clean pocket. Yeah. And, you know, getting pressure up the middle – Deron Payne and John Allen are going to have to give a push. Chase Young and Montez Sweat are going to have to be able to get after the quarterback. It's going to be fun for me watching Montez Sweat against yes. Tristan Wirfs, who's the right tackle for the Bucs. He was a first-round pick out of Iowa last year. He's had an incredible season, and if he's on an island one-on-one with Montez, that could be a uh, that could be a big matchup in this football game. And the other thing that I love to point out is uh, Deron Payne and, and all those guys, but Deron Payne specifically does such a good job of getting his hands up and batting down footballs during uh, training camp. We had um, we had uh, Thomas Davis mic'd up, and he was watching on the sideline, and Duran batted two or three passes and was just going crazy about it. He's like, I don't understand how a guy that big can get up that high in the air and have <laughs> such good timing. I mean, it's, it's incredible watching him play, and that's why I think uh, you know, Duran is a little bit flies under the radar a little bit in the pass rush because he doesn't get a lot of sacks. But he certainly breaks up a bunch of passes and and alters throws and and I think if, if they can get Tom to move off his spot, I think they they, they could have a shot at a little bit of an upside here. Uh, this just kind of popped into my mind as you were talking about all that, as you talked me off the cliff there of the Tom Brady stats. I appreciate you on that. Is imagine where this defensive line would be already, but then if Matt Ionias didn't get hurt with that injury to the uh, pectoral that took him out for the season, like imagine where this defense could have been even further if he was there, dude. Matt Ioannidis is the best interior pass rusher they have. And yes. Before the season, I picked him to lead the team in sacks. I thought he was going to have double-digit uh, sacks this year. You know, that injury is huge. And when you look at going into next year, it's it's uh, it's exciting to, to think what the future of, you know, this Washington defense can be, especially if they add a, a, a stud middle linebacker, whether through the draft or free agency. I mean, it's a Super Bowl caliber defense. And, it may be a Super Bowl caliber defense right now. So if they get a little bit of a little bit of help in, in line, at the linebacker position, a little bit of help on offense, there's so much to to be excited about with Washington football as you look towards the future. Yeah. Anybody in the beat, anybody in the building, players, coaches, we all know this defense is the reason they are in the postseason to begin with. One thing that could help Alex Smith, we alluded to that a minute ago, is the run game. Tampa Bay's run defense, second in the league. 
Antonio Gibson, 4.7 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. A lot of that came in that Dallas game. Do you, do you, I don't know. I like to think that the passing game with JD McKissick could help in that regard. If both of them are in the backfield, I just wonder, and maybe you've got an answer for me here, how they're going to be able to get past that. Yeah. The Bucks rush defense is great. They only give up 80, uh, 80 yards a game, but I think a big uh, difference maker for their defense is Devin white. Who's out with uh, COVID um, for the second consecutive mm-hmm. week. And he's, arguably their best player on defense, uh, linebacker, uh, rookie. I think that, that he makes such a, such a big difference for them um, that for me, I, that's what I look at. And, and I'm running to the side that I'm running to the Washington left where Devin White would be and, and mm-hmm. giving Antonio Gibson an opportunity. That's actually been Antonio that Gibson's favorite side to run. That's where he's had a lot of success on the left side of the line. So that's a good observation for sure. Dude, also Indomitian suit is a big reason that they do well. I swear he's, what is this, like his fourth team in his career? Started with the Lions, then ended up on the Dolphins. Where'd he go after that? And then he ended up at Tampa. I can't remember what that third team was, but he's still got it, man. He's the. I think he's the reason, along with um, the inside linebacker. Well, sorry, Avante David's been really great in helping with run defense. I, just those two guys, I mean, that could help. I, I'm with you there. If Devin White, if he, he's probably not going to play due to COVID, that'll help out. a lot. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I think he's out too. Um, God, speaking of COVID, getting sidetracked for a little bit, like <laughs> two, two, two people for Washington. Meanwhile, Cleveland's head coach has COVID. And I was able to get out to practice beginning of the year before they kind of brought the, uh, the lockdown in to make sure they had everybody that they wanted, that they trusted and whatnot. Like, what have you noticed that they're doing that keeps them from getting these breakouts? Cause it's like it's from watching the media perspective, everyone's far away. Everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's staying six feet apart as most as they can, but it's not like we're doing anything special. It doesn't really feel like we're doing anything extra. We're just wearing masks and being COVID conscious. I mean, I think it is extra. I think that's the okay. Point. Sure. You see, you see all the teams that are having issues and it comes from, a strength coach not walking walking around without a mask on. It comes from, you know, sitting in meetings without masks on or whatever happened up in Cleveland as well. But uh, we had Rodney Harrison on the podcast this week, and he talked about the respect that Ron Rivera demands, and and he compared it. He called it Belichickian. You know, he said yeah. looking people that he puts in the same realm as him. But even without the the cancer scenario with Ron, which I think just reinforced everything for the team, definitely everyone that was around there. Ron's a guy that steps into the room and demands respect. And, and I think that, that he earns, I think he earns the respect of the players. And I think that, that part of that is, I think all of that is encompassing with their response to COVID. I mean, they were a team that, that, you know, before the NFL put all of their rules in place and before Jason Wright was there and before Ron Rivera was hired, Dan Snyder was one of the first people to, you know, step forward in terms of, you know, donating to donating to, uh, COVID causes creating, you know, FedEx to be a testing facility. I mean, mm-hmm. the organization from the top down has, has had a really, really good response to to this particular scenario. Yeah, it's been a testament to everyone involved. And I'm I'm with you 100% because Ron, I never see him without a mask on. The only time I've seen him without a mask on is when he's in his office. Otherwise, the mask is on. He keeps it on all of the time. And there have been he a lot of other masks. He wears a double mask. He wears mask, a mask right? and then he has the, the uh, mm-hmm. neck gaiter that he, that he pulls up over it. I mean, it's a, he's, he's serious about it. And, and you see that that boils down to the players who, you know, the NFL has their rules. You see the guys that practice, you see the guys 
on the sidelines wearing those masks. Yeah. Huge credit to them. And I guess I only say it feels normal and not that extra because we just live in this pandemic world and it all feels normal at this point. Hopefully we get to a point where we can all see each other's faces out in public. Uh, but now we uh, we move on here to the game day experience because this could be the final home game of the season. The odds are extremely slim that top seeds fall and they end up being the highest seed left. I don't think any of us are going to put money in that bank. So with that in mind, what has it been like to go to these games without fans, fake noise, no fake noise, and go through the game day routine that you normally do? Because you're all over the place. From last season, seasons before I see, you're always running around trying to get everything ready for the shows. Yeah, it's been a wild experience. I mean, covering the NFL for 15-ish years now or so. Didn't mean to age you there. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit, but it's been crazy. You know, the NFL has always been evolving in the way that they, you know, handle protocols for everything from sidelines to who gets access to where and what. And, you know, they played an entire NFL season this year. Going into it, I don't know that there are many people that expected that there weren't going to be any games that were canceled, that, you know, obviously some games got moved around here and there, but they did a pretty damn good job of setting this thing up and, um being at the stadium and having no fans there and being able to hear, you know, all of the trash talk, some of the trash talk on the field and the play calls and, you know, the checks and the cans and the, the kills and all the different things you hear, the Peter, Peter, Peter on the punts. It's, <laughs> it's surreal. And it's, it's so different than any experience that, that I've ever had before. And it's, it's cool to see, but I can't tell you how much you miss the roar of the fans. The, yeah. You know, that help, you know, accentuate the big moments that accentuate the big moments. And, and it'll be, it was fun. It's been fun at times this year, you know, with the experience of being there with no fans, but it is way better when there's 70,000 strong at FedEx. And that's why I asked, because this is going to be the playoff game. And the last time that they had a postseason game was 2015 when they lost to the Packers. And that building was bumping. The anticipation that they were going to upset the Packers was you could taste it in the air. I'll never forget uh, the description that uh, my coworker, Mitch Carr, who made it to the game that day. I was working back at the station um, in Richmond, ABC at the time. He just told me it was it was like you cut it with a knife. Like it was just all out there in the open of how much excitement there is. You're not going to get that at all. And it's the postseason. It's win or go home. How weird is that going to be? Do you take in the sights a little more then? Because this is like you'll never experience something like this again. Yeah, you think about it a little bit like that Orioles game after the riots in Baltimore yeah. a few years ago when they didn't have fans for a baseball game. But I think without fans and without that atmosphere, you need guys like Chase Young that much more. Guys who are infectious with their enthusiasm and their energy levels are through the roof and they get they get the guys pumped up. And, and I think that you have a lot more guys who are going to have to be intrinsically motivated to, to get going and I have no doubt that that the leaders on this team, Terry McLaurin is such a quiet, calm leader, but you don't think that he's going to have those guys. You don't think he's going to have that offense pumped up, ready to go. You don't yeah. think Young's <laughs> going to be leading that huddle right before they yeah. run out on the field. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to see. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it from home on the television screen. You will be there in person. I'm super jealous of that. Uh, let's look at some betting lines uh, in a segment I'm debuting with you called walk the lines. I try and be clever with my wordplay. Uh, that one's probably a two on the nose, but I'm going with it. Uh, I like it. All right. I'll t- vote of confidence for Mitch. I will take it. Okay. Uh, we're going to start from the top. We'll end with Washington. So Colts at Bills. 
Bills a seven-point favorite here. They put up 59 on the Dolphins, and the Colts probably have one of the better defenses in the NFL, and Phillip Rivers trying to get that ring. Where are you leaning here? I like Buffalo a lot. They're, they're just – they're rolling right now. It's, it's funny when you look at that Dolphins game because the Bills didn't have much to play for, and the Dolphins had everything to play for, and they still kind of blew them out. So very much blew them out. Um, I like Buffalo. I think Josh Allen just is, is – is in it should be the maybe the MVP maybe Pat Mahomes I don't know I think Josh Allen honestly Aaron Rodgers too but I think it's those three are are really down to it I like I like Buffalo to 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 cover the seven yeah uh, Indianapolis is uh Indianapolis's offense isn't gonna be able to to do much against Bill's D and and Josh is gonna throw all over him yeah I I don't think seven is kind of like a safe line from Vegas I feel like because even though Indianapolis is really really good like better than their record shows buffalo's offense is on par with the chiefs for the best in the nfl and josh allen has something that i think mahomes doesn't which is a great defense behind him the bills like low-key are pretty decent defense the chiefs i think are a little under i'm with you on the bills taking the cover Rams, seahawks are at three and a half favoring the seahawks even if we get i think that's based on if golf goes if golf doesn't go that line might change where are you leaning here yeah, I, I think the number is certainly based on golf playing. If he doesn't play, we could see something like uh, with Washington and Philly last week when the line opened at Philly minus one and closed at, at Washington minus six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, if golf plays, man, I think this is a toss up. I don't, I don't know where I, I don't, I'm, I'm not exactly sure where I'd go with this one, but yeah. if golf doesn't play, then, then I like the Seahawks. Yeah, Rams defense has had success with Russell Wilson for a really long time. But if you can't put points up against Russell Wilson, as he's done his entire career, you're not going to win. So um, I, yeah, I'll take the cover as well. I think I think it's going to be more than three and a half. That's the Seahawks win. Uh, Ravens, Titans, also three and a half. That's a tight one. I didn't think it would be three and a half. I thought it'd be seven favoring the Titans just because Ryan Tannehill, I think, is a better quarterback right now. I like the, I'll tell you what, I like the under the most in this game. The over-under is 55. These two teams played to 54 in overtime earlier this year. I, but I look at last year in the playoffs, it was a 20-12 to 12 game. I, I think that that the Titans score at will, and they score at will based on being able to run the ball, and they're not going to be able to do that at will against Baltimore. And so I, I think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower-scoring game. I actually think Baltimore wins this game. I think it's a revenge game for Lamar. I think that they go in there – understanding everything that Tennessee did to them last year to shut them down and, and, uh, and take out their, their revenge on Tennessee. I'm just not sold yet on the Ravens. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have his revenge game, but I also, again, I, I was the Dolphins fan forever. So watching that bills game, as you alluded to broke my heart because I thought we were going to see the Dolphins of the playoffs, but Ryan Tannehill has transcended into the quarterback we all envisioned he would be seven years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, however long it's been. And now he's got Derrick Henry. It just makes his life a lot easier. So uh, I actually like the under, but I think the Titans will barely cover. I think it is going to be a close game, but like four or five. Uh, Bears, Saints, this was the craziest line to me. Saints, 10-point favorites. <laughs> the Bears, I know they're eight and eight and they lost to the Packers, but like I – don't count out the Bears, man. They have Allen Robinson, Khalil Mack. They get in there. Drew Brees has a bad day. I I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't think the Saints cover. I I think it's the right line. I mean, I think that 
you look at I don't what the I don't know what the Bears are going to be able to do offensively against that Saints defense, which has been incredible. I mean, this is another one that I like the under on. It's forty-seven and a half. I, I don't think yeah. other team is going to score much. I agree. I, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a tighter game than most think, but I just don't know that that the Bears are are going to score. I think it's going to be like a a twenty-four thirteen potentially type game for the Saints. Yeah, if Mitchell Trubisky gets mobile and starts moving around the pocket, that could help out the Bears' offense. I just, I, I like to think that the Bears aren't going to just get blown out in the Metrodome. But look, Saints have done it for a really long time. Uh, or sorry, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Good Lord, what happened there? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's going to be that Saints won't cover. Yeah, I like the under as well. I like the under as well. Cleveland Browns Steelers six and a half for the Steelers favored. Uh, it all depends on how the Browns come out. To me, now Stefanski's on COVID, and if he's able to make it back, it's going to be a tough, tough going for the Browns to try and get the Steelers in Pittsburgh. They had the benefit of playing at home in that regular season finale. Uh, I think the Steelers will cover uh, and, and win by seven. That's where I'm going on that one. I think the Steelers are going to win by more than seven. I think they're going to kind of dominate this game. The Browns really had to squeak by just to get in the playoffs. And it was interesting watching that game. We talked a little bit about the Bills-Dolphins game. But if the Bills would have let the Dolphins win – the Bills would have played the Dolphins in the first round of the playoffs. I'm not saying that the Steelers let the Browns win, but I think it helped a lot knowing that they were going to most likely see the Browns in the first round of the playoffs the next week. So I think the Browns had to pull out all the stops to get that win, whereas Pittsburgh played a pretty milquetoast vanilla game there. So I think, I think that Big Ben's going to be rested. He's going to be ready to go. And I think those receivers are going to be too much for, for Cleveland to overcome. Definitely. And our game that we'll be watching Saturday night, a weird primetime slot on a Saturday, but that's where they put uh, Tampa Bay and touchdown Tommy against Washington football. It opened at seven. I saw eight and a half. Now it's a nine point favorite for Tampa Bay with an over under at 45. I want to hear what you have to say first before I reveal what I think about this game. So I I love that this number keeps climbing. I'm just going to let it keep going up until game time. I think this might get to nine and a half and Maybe we'll hit 10. You're going to hear every pundit across the league, everyone on TV, everyone on podcasts, everywhere, talk about Tom Brady in the playoffs. And you talk so much about their defense and Dominic and Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and Mike Evans and all Gronk, all these big names. And everyone's going to be picking Tampa Bay. And for me, the biggest thing is you look at when everyone goes one way, I like to look the other way. When everyone zigs, I like to zag. I think Washington covers the nine. I think their defense plays well. I think that the offense does just enough to stay in this game. It's going to be kind of a low scoring. I think Washington's going to really do everything they can to muck it up and, and, and run clock. I think we're going to see something like a, a 23, 17 final. Um, I think unfortunately the bucks get the best of them, but it's been nothing but a successful season for Washington considering the playoff appearance, considering everything else that's going on, you know, there's no shame in losing to, to Tom Brady and the bucks. But uh, I think they're going to cover the nine. Yeah, I'm right there with you with a different score line. I think it's 20 to 14 Tampa, uh, Washington covers, and we hit the under there, mainly because that defense is going to give Tom Brady fits. And I said this on the beat, which uh, airs on Friday. I think this podcast is going to come out Thursday night, Friday. It doesn't matter. But I said that Tom Brady going into that divisional round is going to be banged up from having to go up against this Washington football defense, and it's going to hurt their chances for whoever they face in the next round. So I'm right there with you, man. My score though, 20 to 14 years, 23 to 17. So with all the betting lines out of the way, we have walked the lines to get your X factor for Washington to possibly pull off the upset here. 
Ooh, X Factor, going to go Logan Thomas. I think that uh, going all the way back to training camp, we, we saw him making some plays, and there was a big question of whether it was Logan Thomas playing well or maybe the safeties weren't quite that good. And we've seen him develop week after week after week. And he's been such an integral part of this offense that they're going to need somebody to step up and, and move the chains. And, and I think getting a big body like Logan Thomas there in the middle is going to be tough for the Bucs to cover. And, and we're, going to need, uh, we're going to need to see uh, Alex Smith or Tyler Heineke, whoever's Taylor Heineke mm-hmm. whoever's playing, uh, move the football. And it's going to be getting the ball out quickly. And, and to hit a big target like Logan is, is, can, help, can help this team go. People don't realize Logan Thomas, even though he didn't have as many touchdowns as Rob Gronkowski trailing by one, he had more receptions and more yards. Who would have thought a former Virginia Tech quarterback who was drafted by the Cardinals to play quarterback would be better than the great Rob Gronkowski? The NFL is always full of incredible stories. And we end our recording with Mitchell Tischler of NBC Sports Washington and the Washington Football Talk podcast with a wild card since it is wild card weekend. There have been rumors and reports and whispers that Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans might ask for a trade. I've seen 10 teams listed as possible suitors, with Washington football being one of them. Do you think and envision him in burgundy and gold if he does, in fact, ask for a trade? I can't even begin. I I think that if you're making a deal for Deshaun Watson, it's going to be an RG3 trade type where you're going to have to give up a, you know, a plethora of first round picks to get them. And I, I think if you put Deshaun Watson on this team and added a couple other pieces, wide receiver, linebacker, this is a Super Bowl. This is a team that could be primed to make a run at a Super Bowl. I just don't know that if you're building an organization and building a program the way that Ron Rivera has talked about, that you can afford to give up multiple years of first round picks to, to bring in a guy like that. So as much as I would love it if it happened because I think it would be such a huge boost to this organization. I just don't, I don't foresee that kind of massive deal getting done, Mm -hmm. uh, getting done here. Yeah. I was explaining to um, Chad Ryan actually of uh, Reds, well, Washington Football Capital Connection. Had to catch myself there. Uh, and a couple of our friends, we have a group chat. I was explaining to him, look, Deshaun Watson would be the big white whale. You would have to give up so much just to get him into the building, including picks and players. And that's valuable for Ron Rivera if he wants to try and build this thing the way he does. So it, big white whale, if they want to go for it, by all means, I think all of us would love to see him come to Washington and take this team in terms of popularity. It's already a very popular team, but just into the stratosphere of getting those primetime games. But a Matthew Stafford, or even a Marcus Mariota, if they're looking to get a quarterback out of free agency. I think those two are more realistic with the one that I would lean towards, personally, in my opinion, Marcus Mariota. That's where I would probably lean a little bit. But Sean Watson, look, if he asks for a trade and Washington wants to hear the idea, let him do it. Nothing Here's the thing. I never, th- I never thought the Wizards would be able to move John Wall with that contract, and they were able to find a way to get something done. So I'm never going to say never, but – I'd be very surprised if it happens. Quarterback for next year, I'm going to throw under the radar for you. Another 757 guy, Tyrod Taylor. Yes. A super interesting guy. You know, Ron Rivera has been talking about wanting a guy who has a little mobility. He takes care of the football pretty well. He's looking for a starting gig as long as a, uh, as long as a trainer doesn't accidentally stab him in the lung with a needle. I think that that he's going to be. He's a dude that deserves an opportunity to start yeah. somewhere. And, and if they're not able to land a Matt Stafford or Deshaun Watson or the quarterback that they like isn't there in the first round, 
he might be a guy that could step in and, and start and be that be that bridge to, to whenever you get your, your QB, QB of the future. That's why Mitch Tischler is on the camera these days and with us on the podcast. You can listen to him on the Washington Football Talk podcast wherever you listen, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and watch him on NBC Sports Washington's coverage of the Washington football team. Mitch, always a pleasure, man. Hopefully we can get out and play 18 with the boys. Uh, try not to take too much of my money if we do it. We'll be paired up together. We'll take money off Pete and JP. I love it. All right, man. Take care. Another round of thank yous to today's guest, Mitch Tischler. Also to you, the listeners. That opening was long-winded as hell, but it was important. Much appreciated. Just a little croy today. It was lunchtime, and the cran raspberry hits just right with enchiladas leftovers. People, if you like the content, subscribe to the pod so you can get notified when each episode drops, and you are encouraged to rate and comment on how we're doing. I'm your host, Chip Briere. This is the DCAF Pod. Enjoy the wildcard weekend, everyone, and until next time, cheers. Next round is on me.